Well, I'm so thankful to be able to bring forth today's word uh, to you. The Bible is absolutely full of stories that can offer us encouragement. No matter what the situation, no matter what's going on in our life, uh, we can learn through the scriptures of how to serve our Lord more and more. We've been in a series called Unfinished. And in this story, we see that Christ not only finished his work while here on earth as fully man, fully God, but his work is still unfinished. We have an opportunity to continue to work, do God's work through the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived and died and, and he came back to life. And that's exactly where the book of Acts brings us. See, Jesus was resurrected and, and, and he had a tremendous message to share with all the people. Especially his disciples. He wanted to make sure that they were on the right path. That they were guided uh, towards the right direction so they can carry out his message. On and on. And he spent 40 days with them teaching them and guiding them and helping them to understand what, what their job was from that point forward. He told them, I must leave so a helper can come, the Holy Spirit can come. And on the 40th day after his resurrection, he ascended into heaven. And, and, and the people, the apostles and, and a whole bunch of other people, they went back to a house in Jerusalem and they prayed and they waited. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They didn't know when. This is on the 50th day, the, the Feast of the Weeks, or the Pentecost. And as they were praying in the morning, early in the morning, all of a sudden, a, a, a great disturbance happened. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. People received the Holy Spirit at that moment. They were filled with the Spirit, and they started speaking in tongues. And what were they saying? They were praising God. They were praising God. And that, that huge noise that came about from the Holy Spirit, it drew all those people that were from Jerusalem. All kinds of people came and, and came to the house, and, and they started, well, what's going on? And Peter and, and the other apostles, they went out and started proclaiming. They proclaimed the life. They proclaimed the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, that day, oh, about 3,000 people, Scripture teaches us, gave their life to Jesus Christ. The church was formed. People began serving one another. They ate food together. They they enjoyed communion with one another on a daily basis. They gave to one another where people had need. Every day, God was adding to their number because they were being affected by the Holy Spirit. They had boldness to go preach the word. That brings us to Acts chapter 3. And in Acts chapter 3, we, we see Peter and John that, that they're heading to the temple, and they see this guy sitting there. The guy's, guy's there, he's, he's lame. 
He hasn't been able to walk. He's over 40 years old. Probably hasn't been able to walk most of his life. And, and, and the guy's he's a professional beggar. And he wants money. And Peter looks at him straight in the eye. He says, what I have for you is worth more than gold. It's, it's more precious than silver. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand and walk. And that's exactly what the man did. Scripture teaches us that he, that he leapt, he leaped all over. He had to be pretty excited for what had happened. But Peter made sure that everyone knew that it wasn't him who healed him. But it was God. Well, in the midst of this, Peter made a lot of people annoyed. He, he created a lot of enemies. Peter said in Acts chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him but you denied the holy and righteous one. Friends, he is saying that you guys are the ones who did it. You killed God when he was among, in our midst. And he asked for a murder to be granted to you. And you, this is what Peter's saying. This is what's going to get him in trouble. Peter had a knack for saying exactly what he thought exactly what he believed. He said, you, and he's talking to the people, to the rulers, you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses. Well, that got Peter and John arrested. They got thrown in jail overnight. I don't know if they got a meal, if they got a, a phone call, but they were in jail overnight. The next morning, they got an opportunity to, to be questioned in front of all of the rulers, the religious rulers of that area. What an opportunity that they took to preach the gospel. We talked about that last week. How, the opportunities that we get when we are in trouble. When times are tough, man, that's when God can use you sometimes the most. And they did. They shared the message of Jesus Christ. Well, these rulers weren't happy. In fact, they were so agitated. Scripture says the word annoyed. That they threatened them. They gave them many threats, multiple threats. And eventually they released them. Well, that's where we pick up our story today. Peter and John, just imagine this. Peter and John were just threatened. They were released, and now they start walking. You can see them walking side by side down the dirt road. They're thinking, what in the world? What just happened? And where are they heading to? They're heading to their family, their friends. 
They're heading to their fellow Christians. They're heading to their church. We're going to read Acts 4, 23 through 31 in its entirety. And we're going to look at five things that I think that the faithful people of the church need to do when the going gets tough. I believe it's on page 912 in your pew Bible. If you'll stand with me as I read Acts 4, 23 through 31. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of their father, our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Well, the first thing that we see that Peter and John did after they heard the harsh rebuke and received the scary threats completely given by the religious leaders in Jerusalem was to pull together corporately. They pulled together corporately. You see, these threats were absolutely real. I'm guessing that the words used of Peter and John were, were harsh. Maybe, maybe I was thinking, maybe the religious rulers were reminding them what they did to Jesus. Jesus didn't shut his mouth. And you saw what we did to him. They were definitely threatened that they were going to be beat if they continued this. Flogged. Beat, beat to a point where, where they would have scars because of their beating. Beating to a point where they may even die. Maybe they even talked about crucifixion. I don't know. They were threatened. But wouldn't you be scared if that was you? You see, Dr. James Dobson, if you guys don't know him, he, was a, he is a child psychologist and, and, and author and wrote a lot of different books, and, and, and he has a seven-step approach to discipline. Sherry and I, we, we had adopted that in, in some fashion, and when our children directly disobeyed us as younger kids, uh, we would provide that clear warning. Don't do that again. Don't get out of bed again. That would be the classic. And if they did it again, we would make sure that they understood what they did wrong. We would take them into a private room, making sure we're away from the other children. We didn't want them to be embarrassed. 
And, and we'd make sure that, that they understood what they had done wrong. We'd say that it made us sad. Then we'd use the wooden spoon and we'd smack their bottom, sometimes up to three times. We just wanted to cause a nice sting on their bottom. Our goal, our goal was sincere repentance. That was our goal. And when we got done, we would hug them, we'd kiss them, we'd tell them how much we love them, because we wanted to show unconditional love, and then, most importantly, we would pray with them. My daughter, Allie, she received this discipline a couple times in her day. And Allie, uh, she'd receive a warning. Sometimes we'd go with two warnings. You've been there. You see, but Allie knew that something was about to happen when she heard the kitchen drawer open. She knew that the spoon was being pulled out. And those were not empty threats. She didn't want the sting on her bottom. But what Allie always wanted to do, for some odd reason, and it really made Sherry and I really happy in the midst of it, would she, she'd ask, how many? She just wanted to know, can I, can I stand it? Can I last? If she knew how many, then she could, okay, okay, I can get through three. Yeah, that made us happy. We don't give Allie spankings anymore, thankfully. But Peter and John, think of this. They just heard the drawer open. But they're not going to get little squats on the bottom. You see, Allie, she really was scared. Maddie, we would just look at her cross-eyed and, and she'd start crying. But Peter and John, these were real threats that were going to harm them severely. They, they, they were truly had to be afraid about it. These were just mere men. They weren't a, 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 at a different level. They were just in love with Jesus Christ, and they were devout believers. And they knew that when that drawer opened, it wasn't an empty threat because they had just watched it happen with their Savior. So I could just see Peter and John, they're walking back, and they're talking, what are we going to do? These are real, man. They're going to hurt us. They're going to beat us. We just told them we can't stop because we, we know the truth, and we can't stop telling everyone about the truth. Wait a minute. But they're going to beat us. What if they beat us so bad? that we can't preach anymore. Oh, then we're not doing anyone any good. You know what? Let's just leave. Let's just go. We'll go to another place. And that's where we'll preach because we'll be safe there. And, and, and then we don't have to worry about, uh, about getting beat. We do that all the time. We, we, we navigate towards something and we, we figure out what's our best way of escaping it. And then we validate it in our own mind. But Peter and John knew what they were called to do. They were called to preach the gospel, preach the life and the lessons and the death and the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ, no matter the cause, no matter the outcome, continue to preach. No matter if people were given their lives to Jesus Christ or not, they continue to preach. That was their whole point. That was their process. That was what they were told to do by Jesus Christ, who was and is their king. Serious questions. That's why they took it to the church. When you have something big, friends, you need to go to fellow believers. You need to take it to your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, the ones closest to you, the ones who understand your faith and your love for the Almighty, the church, the people who trusted Jesus. They circled up. They circled up. They discussed the situation at hand. And you know what they did? They prayed. That's our second point. They prayed fervently. And that's what we need to do. We need to pray fervently. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. Colossians 4, 2 Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Hebrews 4.16 Let us with, then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you need mercy? I need mercy, friends. Oswald Chambers, the author of the devotional, my utmost for his highest he said the point of prayer is not to get answers from god but to have perfect and complete oneness with him and that's exactly what these believers were doing they wanted they wanted to be one with god and they knew the only way to receive absolute clarity of of their next steps of how to proceed was to seek them in prayer. You see, when you're in trouble, you seek God. Many of people in the midst of war have found the Lord. In the midst of bullets flying around, they've given their life to God. They've called out his name. Why is that? Because in the midst of trouble, we need help. But friends, I'm telling you, in the midst of a moment when you think you're not in trouble, you need God all the more. We need God in our lives. And we need to continuously, as a group of believers and as individuals, seek God, pray fervently, with great passion. With great passion. The brother of Jesus... James, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said in, in, in chapter 5 of James, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. They started by praying to God, telling him how great he is, how awesome he is. That he's the, he's the God of creation, God of everything. He knows everything. 
the beginning and the end. They're telling God who he is. Read it in verse 24. It says, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. It's a great way to start off your prayers. It's a great way. Many of you probably know the acronym ACTS. A-C-T-S. ACTS. A stands for adoration. If you don't know this, this is a great thing to write down. A stands for adoration. Tell God how much you appreciate him. Express your love for him. Praise his power. But when, when many times when I'm starting to pray, I will just think of acts, and I'll start with adoration. How can I adore you, God? And I'll think of scriptures to, to actually pray back to God how wonderful he is, how beautiful he is, the God of all creation, the, the, the God of wonder. You are amazing. You're all-knowing. You're all-powerful. You can do anything. Your plan is perfect, not my plan. Love to adore the, the Lord, the C. A is adoration. C stands for confession. And we have a lot to confess. Tell them where you've fallen short. Your pastor's fallen short many, many times. All the time. Lots to confess to the Lord. Things I do or things I don't do. You see, when you're bowed down before God and you're adoring him, he has a way of helping you to, to think about those places you fall short. T. A is for adoration. C for confession. T for thanksgiving. Thank God for his love, his faithfulness, his patience, everything. Just spend time thanking the Lord for what he has done. Thank him for his son, Jesus. Thank him for the mercy and the grace. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and finally, S, supplication. We are to make our requests known to God, no matter how small they are or how large they are. Make them known to God. Friends, when the going gets tough, we need to pull together corporately. We need to, to pray fervently with great passion. And third, we need to pursue God through his word. And I love this prayer that these believers are doing. And it's something that doesn't show up directly in, Acts, but in, in the acronym ACTS, but I already alluded to it. You bring in scripture. You dig into God's word. That's, that's what they do. They go, to, they go to Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2. We're going to read verse 25 and 26 of Acts 4. Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Who is his anointed? Jesus. This is a fulfillment of Scripture. And in the midst of their prayer, they're, they're speaking Scripture. They're speaking God's Word back to God. We need to dig in to God's Word. Can I be vulnerable with you for a moment? It was about 5.15 in the evening. 
many years ago. I was an administrator at a school. I got back to my office. I'd been out and about promoting the school, and then I met with uh, a group of personnel on a multi-year technology plan. When I walked into my office, my secretary said that the head of the school wanted to meet with me at 6 o'clock. In that meeting was going to be also the president of the board. I thought to myself, well, one of two things are going to happen. Either they're going to give me a huge raise and give me a pat on the back, or they're going to let me go. I had no reason to believe either of those. Actually, the raise I, I was anticipating a week prior to that. I did two things that moment. I remember it like literally like it was yesterday. I did two things. Number one, I called Sherry. And I told Sherry what happened, and I asked her to pray. Isn't that interesting? I went to the one closest to me. I went to the one who also loved Jesus Christ. And I asked her to pray. And friends, the second thing I did is I opened my Bible. And all I did was start reading Scripture. I spent about a half hour from that moment until about 5.45-ish reading Scripture, digging into God's Word. I don't know what I was reading. I can't remember if it was Proverbs or, or if I went to the Psalms or, or if I started reading one of the Gospels. I'm not sure. All I know is that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I walked into that meeting completely confident that no matter what happened, that I was going to praise God. And that, that affected who I was as an individual. You see, the Word of God will affect us as we dig into His Word more and more. It actually transforms us. It has a, has a way of piercing our hearts. And we, and we get lazy. We don't want to dig into God's Word because we don't want to spend time reading. Or, we don't understand that. That's too big of words. You see, God's Word, when you dig into it over and over and over, He starts revealing Himself because it's His Word. By the way, when I went in the office, they did tell me that I was, my services were no longer needed. I didn't get any reason. I tried to get a, somewhat of a reason out of them. I even met afterwards. But, but you know, when you focus on God, those things are just extras. I, I lived through it multiple times. I've lived through a, a scenario like that. But my focus remains on Jesus Christ and on his word. And that's where our focus has to be because God has a better plan for our lives than we do. Much better plan. 
You see, what we need to do when the going gets tough is we need to plead. We need to plead with God for boldness. We need boldness, friends. And I talked about this last week. We need to be bold in our message and sharing the gospel. We need to be bold with our family and friends. You see, the prayer that these, these men, these people were asking for was, could they be bold in the face of being threatened? Is that when you could be bold? That you will not deny Christ, that you will praise his name no matter what? They wanted to keep spreading the message all around. But they knew that they were going to be in danger. How about you? Can you be bold? Can you be bold during this Christmas holiday coming up? Your family coming over? Can you be bold with your message? How about at work? Can you be bold to continue sharing your love and, and the gospel in, in great and unique ways? Even when someone says, hey, that's offending me. Don't say that anymore. Can you deal with that in love and with boldness? I want boldness like that. I want boldness that no matter what, no matter if I lose my job, no matter if I, I, I lose my life, that it's all about preaching the word of God because I'm living for him. Because I'm living for him. How can I share the gospel? That's what I want to think about. How, how can I plant a seed with somebody today? How can I serve a group that brings glory to Jesus? I'm going to ask my friend, Pastor Dave, right now, if you will, if you would plead with God that that you could have boldness, that I could have boldness, that, that we as a group of believers can have boldness to share the gospel. Would you do that for me, Pastor?
the end of this passage, we see that the Holy Spirit comes back just like he did at the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, he came with, with a mighty entrance. You see, when the going gets tough, the faithful, they pull together. They, when, the, when the going gets tough, they, they pray fervently with, with great passion. They pursue God through his word. They dig into his word. They plead with God for boldness. And then they plan for the Holy Spirit to work through them. That's the last point. They plan for the Holy Spirit to do his work. That's the beauty of it. Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says, If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Scripture teaches us to come near to him, and he will come near to us. We learn in the Psalms that the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. When we're doing these things, friends, when you're coming together as fellow believers, when we're worshiping and praying and we're digging into God's word, you can expect God to do mighty things. You can have that expectation that God will do mighty things through you. We need the Holy Spirit to continue to, to fill us. The Holy Spirit dwells within a believer, but we need to ask the Holy Spirit to continue to fill us with, with encouragement and power and love and, and passion to share the gospel. We don't want to live lives just going through the motions. So many of us do that. And, and many of us, we, we have those seasons where it's up and down. Today we're going through the motions. Tomorrow we're going to be all passionate. Tomorrow we're back to the motions. I get up, eat breakfast, go to work, get home, sleep, do it again. Friends, we were made to be more dynamic than that. When you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, you have great power because it's not your power, it's God's. We need to teach people who Jesus is. We need to teach all about him. As a group of believers right here in Shabana, Illinois, we need to heed God's word and we need to plead with the Holy Spirit to use us, to use us in mighty ways in this community, to use us in mighty ways to affect the people that are sitting amongst us. I said it earlier, you're going to get opportunities this Christmas season. You're going to get opportunities with your family, I'm guessing, with coworkers and with friends. You need to be praying for those opportunities. Pray for peace. But more than that, pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. Read the word every chance you get and expect God to use you tremendously.